Hello. Welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast. This is Dude, and that's Andy shaking his head because he hates it when I do that. Welcome, everyone. I talked to you out of that years ago, man. Come on. It's been a while. <laughs> I thought it, was, thought it was time to bring it back. That's the last. Okay. How you doing, Andy? Great. Great. It's a beautiful day to talk about some albums. That's what we do here, isn't it? It, it is, actually. That oh, is all we do. Cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't even so I know nothing about this man's personal life. I don't know where he lives. <laughs> I barely Never know his been. name, but we do talk about records. <laughs> One thing I know is I can't stand your taste in music. Ouch. Speaking of, <laughs> what are we uh, talking about today? Oh, we got two jobs here for you. Got a... Electro-funk soul record from Royce Wood Jr. New release recommendation for you. As well as kind of like a, what you call a new wave of classic rock? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess I would just call at this point, being that the album is 30 plus years old, I'd just call it classic yeah. rock now. Yeah, it is now. Uh, from the Black Crows, their debut record, Shake Your Moneymaker. Hell yeah. So, yeah, we're uh, giving you one new album, one old album. We each get to make a pick. Shall we? Let's. All right. For my new release recommendation, talking about Royce Wood Jr. and his sophomore album, No Two Blue Ticks. What the hell does that mean, man? I don't know. <laughs> Could it be? At first, I thought it was about the blood-sucking... Spider ticks. type creatures, yeah. Nah, uh, hopefully not. So then I was thinking maybe ticks of the watch time going on, and then blue feeling sad. So two sad moments. I don't know, or it's some British thing that I don't understand. And <laughs> maybe I don't know. <laughs> it probably is some British thing. <laughs> yeah, he's from uh, Brighton, UK. Oh, at, at Album Nerds on uh, Twitter, Instagram. If you know, let us know what that means. Oh, I'd be very curious to know. Yeah, he's from the UK. This is his sophomore record. Uh, he falls into that kind of R&B electro-funk space, kind of like futuristic funk, I would describe it as. He kind of came up in that space um, producing records for a couple of artists we talked about in the show before. Uh, Nao, if you remember, we talked about her kind of like neo-soul record a couple of years back, as well as Jamie Woon. He put out a pretty dope record a few years back called Mirror Writing, I believe it was called. They're both featured on the record here as well. Uh, there's not a lot of information about him out there, which is part of the reason I wanted to kind of bring this to the table. Because um, I think he's doing really high quality stuff. He hasn't got a lot of uh, press around it yet. So why don't we jump in here? We're going to play the second cut. This is entitled Slush. of Slush from Royce Wood Jr. off his new record. Uh, it's probably the more funky track mm -hmm. on this record, I would mm -hmm. say. Gets into topics about the record in general. 
deals a lot with climate change, consumerism, kind of like how we got to where we're at with that situation. Um, though, honestly, I didn't pick up on that until I really dug into the lyrics. So it doesn't hit you over the head. Um, if that sounds, you know, like not something you'd want to have fun with. <laughs> but I, I honestly, I really thought most of these were love songs, but I think they do have that kind of like social commentary. Love of the earth, man. Yeah, that's exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I've been digging him for a few years now. I really liked his debut record. Um, which is called like Ashton Tang, I want to say was the title of it. What did you think of this man? I assume this is the first time you've heard of him. You are correct, sir. Okay. So it's good and bad. It's like, I feel like it's close to being something really good, but for me, the production is a little too crispy. It is. It's very crisp, very clean. That song that we just played, it has some Stevie Wonderish moments, which I like. Mm-hmm. But the last minute. Going against the water, going against the water, going against like a, I, a full minute from the 250 <laughs> mark to the 358 mark. <laughs> no bueno, man. Like Too repetitive? Yeah. There's other stuff in that song. Like you could have filled that minute with another verse and then finished it out with it. I mean, maybe there's a, you know, because of trying to make a point, but I didn't get what the point was. I felt like... I was thinking more relationships and going against the grain and doing, you know, right. what's right for you, not not worrying about other people. So either way, it was just like, bro, enough. <laughs> Overall, vocally reminded me of, of Maxwell at times. Now that's the good. The bad mm-hmm. parts are when he reminds me of Robin Thicke or the Maroon 5 guy. Oh, wow. Which comes in almost every song at some point where I'm like, Ugh. it's just a little... And knowing that it's not about ladies and stuff makes it a little more tolerable, a little less gross. But at points, it just seems kind of, baby. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, the the final song, Pernath, Pinarth Street. Yes. Kind of like that one. Princey, attempt at Princey guitar there, which mm-hmm. either will offend or delight. One of the two for most people. But Eider, Eider Down, that was, to me, the most natural sounding song, the most comfortable sounding song, and my favorite on the on the record. All in all, I mean, I, I liked it. It just had moments of cringe for me. Well, I think that's fair, as much as I hate to say it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Score one from Dude. I don't think it's an A-plus record. I don't think it's super consistent, if I'm being honest. Um, I think there are moments of yes, really high quality. He's close to something here. Yes, and that's what I've kind of been hoping for him to like really break through and like deliver like that perfect record in this sound. Because I'd love to, I love the sound to be more of a thing, like this kind of like princey, futuristic funk. I guess keep I come back to. to frankly, lyrically, then it should be more diverse uh, and clear. I think mm-hmm. love songs and stuff that are clearly love songs would work really well for him. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe from a different kind of perspective. Who's um, Lucy Way? Her voice was very interesting on here. That was a nice yeah, touch. She's featured on um, Sixth Track with you now for this. Um, I did not familiar with her, to be honest with you. It was really nice. That was a really nice tandem. I think that worked well. Some of the best moments were them in, with the interplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a few other vocalists up here on the record. 
spurts here and there just to kind of break things up a little bit. I think probably my favorite part of the whole thing is the kind of the vibe and the instrumentation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of cool strings and piano usage. And is that all him? Some, Who's doing all this? Because there are a lot of sounds. There's a lot going on. I don't know for sure if it's all him. Um, I know he does add that type of sound to the records he's produced. So, I assume they're his ideas. I'm not sure if he's actually playing the instruments or not. Okay. There's very little information about him yeah. on the internet. That, that can, that's one of the great things about new music is then being able to pass it on, recommend it in a forum like this. But when information is tough to come by, that's frustrating for any fan. Um, but especially us when we're trying to be like, hey, go check this guy out. He's British <laughs> or something? <laughs> Pretty sure he is British, but other than that, I don't really know. <laughs> I think there's some really nice grooves on here. And I don't know, I've played this for a few people who were kind of like unaware of what it was. And generally people, I think, dig the vibe, uh, which is kind of what I like about it too. Is it a perfect record? No, but would I like to hear more of it? Yes, I certainly would. And I hope he keeps doing his thing. I know he's a pretty young guy and uh, fairly new in the space. I'm hoping to hear more from him in the future. And just wanted to use this opportunity to kind of get his name out there, maybe give him a little love and let him know I think he's on the right path. Cool. Thanks, man. All right, so we're going to try a newish segment here where we kind of answer some topical questions about our music listening history. We'd love for you guys to kind of share your thoughts and opinions on these questions. You can reach out on Twitter at Album Nerds. It's the best place. Yep, well, they'll be posted there, so just uh, throw us an answer. We want to know what you're thinking too. Excuse me. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Yeah, yeah, that's growing on me. That's growing on me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so today's question, it's a pretty broad question. What is the first album you ever bought? I assume this is like yourself, like you paid for it with your own money. Yes. Yes. Okay. We're on the same page. Always. We're a team. <laughs> We're brothers. That's right. All right, so the first record I ever bought was it was actually two records but i'm a little ashamed of the you other gotta one. say both of them dude <laughs> if it was on the, if it was paid for in the same transaction you guys say it was it was i'm pretty sure this one was rung up first though uh which was the counting crows i think this was their debut record uh, yes. august and everything yeah. after really love that record still love that record i think it's definitely their best and yes i like that album too yeah it's a little i don't know croony i guess yeah. But it's something. It's unique. A little sappy. And it it's a kind of a timepiece of, of its time. Yeah. And uh I saw them live, they were good. Oh really? Mm -hmm. cool. I was really into them back in the, the mid nineties there. Yeah, it was a, at the time it was a little soft for me, but I didn't dislike it. And then as I've gotten older I've enjoyed it more and more. Yeah. Yeah, so that was the one that I will admit to willingly. The other one was a popular dance record that <laughs> Come on. Uh, may or may not have been uh, Ace of Bass. Ooh. <laughs> about what about what age range were you at the time? I was a teenager. Probably 
12 or 13, something like that. I was working at a record store at the time. Uh, there were little kids coming in buying that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was very popular. Yes. I knew the record had like four or five singles on it. So I was like, this seems like a good Investment. economical sure, choice. Of course. <laughs> this has good songs on yeah, it. Yeah, get that or get the uh, All That She Wants Casingle. <laughs> <laughs> That's cassette single for those of you that don't know. Yeah. We used well, to, even back then, man, I was I was all about the albums, man. Yeah. I did not care. When I owed about uh, singles. Yeah, I think you're going to like crush me on well, quality for these picks here. Yeah, right? I know. I, I mean, mine's an easy one because I'm a child of the 80s and pretty much every dude's first album was Michael Jackson's Thriller on vinyl. Uh, bought it That's with, cool. Yeah, bought it with my paper route money. Wow. It was the, yeah, it was that or... I was looking at a He-Man guy that I was thinking about getting, but I decided on <laughs> <laughs> toy or record for my first purchase with my paper out money. Sweet. Yeah. What so, with the record? I'm a little surprised. I think a young kid toy would be a little more... Well, you know, I had I didn't have a lot of toys. Back then, kids only had like a, a few action figures and stuff. They didn't like today. It's just like piles, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was old enough that I was starting to... W- crave doing things like an older guy mm-hmm. it was my my own money and we listened to that album a ton i don't listen to it so much anymore just because i feel a little icky about i don't know what was going on with that man but at the time i thought he was the coolest dude in the world oh, everybody did yeah man. and he was he was the coolest i'd dude listen in the world. to that album and just dance moonwalk <laughs> he he there were no crat- <laughs> there was no crotch grabbing in the early days, so I wasn't doing any of that. True, yeah. But yeah, I was so into it. Would sit, you know, me and my dad would sit and look at the album liner notes and sing the songs together and stuff. So, yeah. And that was the thing with that album too, especially at the age I was at. That's when I was at that prime age where your parents liked what was on the radio too. So, mm-hmm. at, and it wasn't uncool yet. <laughs> Like the radio was couple, still relevant. Well, a couple of years later, if they liked it, I didn't. But at that point, it was still cool if they thought something was cool, too. So, Gotcha. Yeah, Michael Jackson Thriller, I think I'm... Uh, there's a lot of us out there. We should we should form a support group. <laughs> well, hey, man, that's a pretty high bar you set for yourself there. Yeah, I mean, it is considered a classic, kind of like Ace of Base. Anyway, why don't you all get up on the Twitter, at Album Nerds. And go answer that question. Let us know what is the first album you ever bought. Oh, dogs. All right. So my pick this week is an older album, a classic album almost, you might say. It's the Black Crows, Shake Your Moneymaker, February 13th, 1990. Were you even alive? Yes, you were. You were a child. (laughs) Yes, I was alive. Um, The Black Crows were formed in Marietta, Georgia back in 1984 when the Robinson boys, Rich and Chris, were like high school age. Uh, The band was signed to Deaf American Recordings in 1989 by George Draculius, who was their manager, I believe, and also the producer of this album. So why don't we jump in? This is their debut, and we'll uh, listen to a little bit of Jealous Again.
right, so that was Jealous again from the album Shake Your Money Maker. And do you ever shake your money maker? Oh, back in college, that was that was how I got through, actually. Yeah, I kind of I kind of figured uh, Chip and Dale sort of situation. <laughs> yep, it's pretty lucrative, actually. Right back into that. <laughs> yep, Andy in a banana hammock. That's just what everyone wants to see. So, so this album is one of those albums in the same time frame where these bands and artists started coming around like Lenny Kravitz, where they were more known for their influences to start off mm-hmm. than their music. And then the music kind of took hold and became its own thing. Influences such as The Faces. That's uh, a band that had Ronnie Wood from the Rolling Stones and Rod Stewart in it. Uh, Small Faces was also the name at one point they changed it and changed lineups um ro- <laughs> like small faces is great yeah <laughs> rolling stones i mean you definitely hear it there there's that what i used to call this was strut rock because yeah chris robinson is big on this on stage i've seen them several times but you know the 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 mick jagger arms behind you know strut that that yeah. cock of the walk sort of thing and um they definitely have that swagger that feel and this album is the most that way, the rawest of theirs. And they continue to record well into the 2000s. But they've got that bluesy, the Brit, it's like British blues rock and Southern rock combined. Right, yeah. They're not, they're from the U.S. though, right? Yeah, Georgia. Okay, all right, you said that. They're from Atlanta, Georgia. Where? Did you have any, I mean, had you heard this whole album before? You must have. Oh, Yeah. Definitely, I've heard this many times. Quite a few singles on here that were popular back in the early 90s. Sorry for the background noise here. We're having a little bit of work done on the house. Oh, I expect that you're going to hear that. Yeah, yeah, I hear it a little bit, but then once it's all done, you can invite me and our listeners over for a uh, housewarming house party. party. Yeah. <laughs> the right time, we'll, right? <laughs> we'll have to do it all over again afterward. Um, but yeah, no, I've heard this before. I, I don't know if I would consider myself a Black Rose fan necessarily, but I do enjoy their sound for sure. Um, I think the thing that struck me most in coming back to it was just how polished it sounds for a, a debut record. It's, they sound very confident yes. in what they're doing. That's, that's, I think, what gives it a professional sound is the confidence for sure. Yeah. So there's that strut quality to it. You have to really sell it to have it yeah. come off. Yeah, and you know, Chris Robinson is a slight built, skinny little dude, but I've seen him in, in in interviews and stuff where he's like you can tell that he thinks he can kick your ass anyway. <laughs> and I like that. That's necessary for this kind of music. You know, I was probably early twenties, something like that, when this came along and uh I really enjoyed that throwback sound. Even I kind of got into this stuff before the grunge thing took hold. Of course, the one that got me was uh, Hard to Handle, the Otis Redding cover. Yeah, that was really popular. Yeah, I mean, that's the known version, which that's... I know, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Go out and check out the Otis Redding one if if you're so inclined, but I think the Black Crows have cornered the market on that song, which... (laughs) Is pretty theirs is good. Like I don't yeah. dislike theirs, but I always hate when like someone writes a, a iconic song like that and someone else kind of 
I'm sure they paid him, but they kind of stole it also in terms of the the overall zeitgeist of the society. It, that whole album just flows really nicely. Are all the songs home runs? No. Uh, starts off with Twice as Hard, which has a great swagger and groove to start off with a good introduction to who this band is. Mm-hmm. A song kind of about breaking up again with somebody that you've broken up with before. And that that's kind of the theme here. Most of the songs are about simple stuff, you know? Yep. Love and love gone bad. Yeah. Jealous again has got that sort of jealousy is it's what shows you I care, <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe I don't buy you flowers, but I'm jealous when other people are talking to you, so you know that I care about you. How sweet. So doodly. Um, and, of course, she talks to angels is probably their masterpiece. Yes, definitely. Even though they put yes. out albums that I think are, as a whole, better put together than this that song is incredible it's very well written um it's about heroin addiction i believe right i think it was a goth girl that chris robinson based it on someone he had known that um was had a heroin addiction or or he imagined did mm-hmm. and uh it, he just really paints that picture of sadness i don't know anyone that doesn't like that song country fans rock fans R&B fans, I mean, it's bluesy and soulful, and I'm not playing it today because turn on the radio and you'll hear it. <laughs> you probably heard it, yeah. Yeah, there's quite a few songs on there like that. Um, I was going to say, I, th- I really kind of gravitated towards these this time through to the ones that feature a little bit more of that kind of like, i say like juke joint piano mm-hmm. style going on where it's you know just kind of banging on the piano really hard yeah. and fast uh I guess it a, the quality is like a real fun like yeah kind of like bar just like being out with people kind of vibe which i think works really well that's sort of that southern rock gospely kind of you know with the, yeah. the gospel background singing yeah. and stuff here and there and oh yeah that works really well i think well and their follow-up album uh Southern Harmony and Musical Companion and much of their work after this I think was very informed by those moments on this album. I think they had a bigger budget and they filled the the second record with a lot more of that. And that's mostly considered their very best album as a whole. It's very busy sonically. I like the simplicity of this. So they're both great. I don't know which one is better, but this one has a more simple flavor where you're kind of getting a sampling of what's to come with these guys. I think a great example of that is one of my favorite songs, Seeing Things. Mm-hmm. It's got moments in it that kind of harken to what they were to become. Yeah. Uh, so why don't we listen to a little bit of Seeing Things? song uh yeah and one of my favorites too and you get to hear chris's unique sort of that gra- that raspy 
voice, that Rod Stewarty sort of mm-hmm. quality at, at Rod Stewart's best that uh, makes it believable. It makes the emotions of the songs, whether it's the strut and the the like, check me out, or whether it's the uh, soulful bluesy moments, he can sell it, and um, that's part of what makes this such a successful album. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. It's uh, it's fairly compact. None yep. of the songs really go on too long. The whole record's only forty some minutes. Um, Not jam bandy at all. Unlike when they nah. play live, they're very jammy. Yeah. Which I, you know, for me, that, that's a little bit more interesting. But I think for this sake of this record and usually debuts, it helps just kind of get the sound out there and define what you're all about. But, you know, every time I saw them also, they sounded great. And that that goes a long way to, to uh, yeah your feelings about a band. If they sound like they do on the record, then mm-hmm. they're doing something right. Any uh, additional comments on my wonderful pick? <laughs> well, it's a very dude pick. So, I yeah. mean, somehow you haven't heard these songs and you appreciate the dude's taste. I think uh, this is a slam dunk. Yeah, I, I know that you've heard some of them, but you should hear all of them. Yeah, it's, it's a good record. I I would never stand in someone's way from listening to this. And they haven't put out a bad record, in my opinion. Now, they're not making new music right now, but Rich and Chris are on tour celebrating the 30th anniversary. I believe they're playing this album from start to finish live. Yeah, I stumbled on a a live recording of this record, actually, that didn't have the same track listing. And I don't know who the band members are right now, but other than those two, but they're the ones that matter. The guitar, okay. the, the guitar genius and the vocals. <laughs> yeah. They started it and uh, they're taking it back out on the road. So please do go check out the Black Crows. Shake your moneymaker. You'll enjoy it. I guarantee it. What up? That's going to do it for our show this week. We'll be back again next week with two more album recommendations for you. In the meantime, what have you been listening to? love to know she's an email podcast elmers.com leave us a voicemail 585-210-2454 subscribe to and download the show in all the usual places you got your spotify's you got your itunes apple podcast whatever you want to call it go up on the apple podcast throw us some stars say some stuff it really helps get the word out about our show make sure to follow us on instagram and twitter for more album recommendations or to answer our swell questions and tell us a little bit about your musical taste at album nerds word up until next time uh, happy listening and thank you for listening to us love you all so much have a wonderful week we'll see you next week later hugs and kisses bye